Eternal God, in the reading of the Scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditations of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. Our first reading for today comes from Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 12 through 22. Now in light of all that, Israel... What does the Lord your God ask of you? Only this, to revere the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, by loving him, by serving the Lord your God with all your heart and being, and by keeping the Lord's commandments and his regulations that I'm commanding you right now. It's for your own good. Clearly, the Lord owns the sky, the highest heavens, the earth, and everything in it. But the Lord adored your ancestors, loving them and choosing the descendants that followed them, you, from all other people. That's how things still stand now. So circumcise your hearts and stop being so stubborn because the Lord your God is the God of all gods and Lord of all lords, the great, mighty, and awesome God who doesn't play favorites and doesn't take bribes. He enacts justice for the orphans and the widows. And he loves immigrants, giving them food and clothing. That means you must also love immigrants because you were immigrants in Egypt. Revere the Lord your God, serve him, cling to him, swear by his name alone. He is your praise and he is your God, the one who performed these great and awesome acts that you witnessed with your very own eyes. Your ancestors went down to Egypt with a total of 70 people, but now look. The Lord your God has made you as numerous as the stars in the nighttime sky. Our next reading is from Ephesians chapter 2, 11 through 22. So remember that once you were Gentiles by physical descent, who were called uncircumcised by Jews who are physically circumcised. At that time, you were without Christ. You were aliens rather than citizens of Israel and strangers to the covenants of God's promise. In this world, you had no hope and no God. But now, thanks to Christ Jesus, you who were once so far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ is our peace. He made both Jews and Gentiles into one group. With his body, he broke down the barrier of hatred that divided us. He canceled the detailed rules of the law so that he could create one new person out of the two groups, making peace. He reconciled them both as one body to God by the cross. He ended the hostility to God. When he came, he announced the good news of peace to you who are far away from God and to those who are near. We both have access to the Father through Christ by the one Spirit. So now you are no longer strangers and aliens. Rather, you are fellow citizens with God people, and you belong to God's household. As God's household, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. The whole building is joined together in him, and it grows up into a temple that is dedicated to the Lord. Christ is building you into a place where God lives through the Spirit. Our gospel reading today comes from the gospel according to Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. When the Magi had departed, an angel from the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod will soon search for the child in order to kill him. Joseph got up and during the night took the child and his mother to Egypt. He stayed there until Herod died, 
This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I have called my son out of Egypt. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So today starts a three-part series about those in need. And it's going to look at three different groups that are called out over and over again in Scripture to be given special care. And I have labeled those groups the immigrant, the poor, and the abandoned. And I chose the abandoned because it seems to be able to wrap up those who are abandoned because of illness, those abandoned because of skin diseases, those abandoned because they were orphans or because they're widows. But all three of these groups are repeatedly called out in Scripture to receive special care. And part of what we'll be looking at is why they need special care and what it is we are called to do. And we get three different pictures of why the immigrant holds a special place in our hearts and in our history. In Deuteronomy, we have laws telling us don't treat the immigrant differently than you would anyone else. There is one law for you and there's one law for the immigrant and it's all the same. Because the Israelites were immigrants in the land of Egypt. That we talked about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the past few weeks. And it was Jacob and his family that end up going down to Egypt to escape famine. And they become immigrants, strangers in a strange land. And there they are mistreated. There they become slaves. There they are abused, and it is there that God raises up a leader in them through Moses and leads them out of captivity and into... We hear in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, there had been two groups, the Jews and the Gentiles, Through Christ, all are made one. That at some point there were outsiders, but if we are all called together in Christ, there are no longer any outsiders in Christ, and that we are all one people. That all the barriers of division have been torn down. And the house that is built is built with Christ as the cornerstone. It's the foundation for all that we are, and it is a foundation of love. But perhaps most strikingly, and the image that comes to me most often when I think about immigrants, is Matthew. Because in the simplest of terms, the story in Matthew is about immigrants fearing violence, fleeing for their lives hoping to find life in a new land. Joseph doesn't know how long it's going to be. He is not told, go there for three years and then you can head on back. It was, go there until I tell you to come back. Which can be an awful long time. Joseph probably had no idea if he was ever going to be able to go back. 
But he had a choice. Stay and risk the death of his family. I know which choice I would make. Descended strange in a strange land, and that I serve a Savior who himself was an immigrant seeking asylum in a foreign land. Treatment through the Bible. And the time pick on. Because they often have very little of their own. They are usually immigrating because they have nothing and are looking for a better life. And because of that, they're taken advantage of. Because they don't already belong to the society, usually the laws apply differently to them and it's easier to take advantage of them and to take what little they have. As the ancestors of Jacob found out, it's easy to quickly become slaves when you are stuck in a foreign land and your rights are removed because all you wanted to do was be able to live. It's also easy to pick on the immigrant because they're an outsider. They become the other. They may not speak the same language. They don't have the same customs. They may do things that we seem to think are strange. We get upset when they do things the way that we do them. And we forget that it's our responsibility to help them with that. We forget that the immigrant isn't simply seeking the we are as an How often do we talk about how lucky we are? to live in a place that values freedom so much? How often do we talk about the fact that God has blessed this nation with prosperity? And how often do we get about that thing and think, gosh, I would like that for my family too. The immigrant often faces hurdles. Hurdles in society, hurdles in government, hurdles in law. Often get blamed for things that they have no control over. Often become the scapegoats so that we can blame our problems on somebody else. And that was just as true in the time of the Israelites as it is now. But time and again, God calls us. If there's an immigrant among you, feed them. Treat them well. 
Treat them how you would want to be treated if you were in that same situation because you are to love your neighbor as yourself and that immigrant in your midst is your neighbor. Ask yourself if that was your family, what would you do? And I can only imagine can only imagine what it would have been like for Joseph if he had tried to flee to Egypt and instead found a wall and someone there at the border to say, you are not welcome here. And the fear he would have of having to return back home, facing near certain death. think about it because I can't help but think about Mary and Joseph and Jesus anytime I hear about a family fleeing from violence, either from the state or violence that the state is unwilling to control. Because if I serve a Savior who is a stranger in a strange land, how can I not want to help the stranger in my own midst? We're called to protect them because often they don't have a voice in society. They come in as an outsider and they don't get a say in what happens to them. The immigrant doesn't have the ability to vote. They don't have the ability to help pick their elected leaders. They don't have the ability to say, well, this is what I would rather have happen to me. They are at our mercy. You know how long times mercy is. I am not a politician. And I am not a lawyer. I can tell you that our immigration laws are complicated and tricky and that there is not an easy solution to fixing all of it. But I am a human being and a disciple of Christ. And in that, I'm called to love all people and to care for all people, especially those in need. And I know that when my two eyes see something wrong, I have to say something. We can do better. We can do better and we must do better. And I don't like calling out anyone by name and I don't like wading into the politics. But politics happened to step on my toes this morning on my way here as I was putting the final touches in what I was going to say. I heard something that shook me to the core and worried me greatly. Because this morning a call for American citizens to go back to their own country. Immigrants who followed all the rules, who became U.S. citizens, and who were duly elected representatives 
of the United States public as members of Congress were told by our president they aren't American enough and they should go back to where they came from. I can respect the president and the job he has to do, but I cannot respect using immigrants as a scapegoat and saying that people who sought this nation as their home, who came here wanting the freedom that we have, wanting to be part of this great nation, came here seeking the blessings that we have, becoming... Americans, because of their love of this country. I cannot sit silently by while somebody uses the fact that they're immigrants as a reason to belittle them and say that they don't matter. Because we are better than that. Christ calls us to give a voice to those who cannot speak up for themselves. God has called us from the very beginning of the law to... And I can't think of anyone more vulnerable than the children crossing our border struggling to find a new place to live, simply seeking hope. We are called to love the stranger in our midst, to care for the sojourner, to love the immigrant as we love ourselves, and to protect all people, because all people are of sacred worth. It is my prayer that as a nation, we do better. It is my prayer that as Christians, we remember that we serve a Savior who was a foreigner in a foreign land. And that we are not called to be a people of divisions, but a people united in Christ to do what is right and what is good. And that we may see past labels and simply see those in need and help them. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I had nowhere to go, you took me in. It is my fervent prayer that we may love each other and love all people just as Christ loves us. Amen.